This is Deion Dawkins, man, and you're listening to The Scoop on OwlScoop.com. You already know. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Scoop, OwlScoop.com's podcast, season eight, episode 19. I'm John DiCarlo, joined by Kyle Gauss, Caden Steele, Javon Edmonds is going to be with us in a few minutes. What's up, guys? How you doing? Doing well. A lot of juice coming out of, out of, out of, out of the gate right here. I realized I forgot to do any research on famous number 19. Bernie Kozar stands out to me. Former Browns quarterback. Uh, Joe Montana on the Chiefs. There we go. Caden, you usually have a couple of gems. What do you have? Uh, Chris Davis, in that time he was good with the Orioles for the, I guess, the one season or maybe two wow. seasons. Yeah. Trying to think of number 19 is like a weird number that I feel like not a lot of great athletes have worn from like m- at least recent memory. I can't think of a number 19. Um, oh, you want to quiz us from Google? <laughs> well, yeah, so I'm looking at so now. So I've run into the bad habit of this one site that I go to will give you the like, oh, they wore this at the end of their career, the beginning of the career, but then you just like. <laughs> Yeah, you just report it as if it's like the one that you did. Like it's right, but it's wrong. So now I have to make feel the need to like Google search images afterwards to make sure. So um a corner infielder that's recently gotten into TikTok. A corner infielder? Joey Votto. Joey Votto wore 19. He's a TikTok guy? Uh, yeah, apparently that's like his thing this year. He just became like the huh. old, old guy on TikTok. Huh. Bunch I wonder of, Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Eddie Royal. Right, like one good year. <laughs> yeah, flash. Uh, yeah, I gotta like, make sure these. I'm looking up one to make sure that you know, um, that he actually wore this. Okay, uh, Peyton Manning wanted to dress like this guy after he died, and the NFL said no. Wow. Johnny Unitas. Johnny Unitas. Oh wow! Right after he died in 02, uh, Peyton was like, can I wear the high socks? And they were like, you can go F yourself, Peyton. That's what you can do. Like, wear what we tell you to wear. Wow. He didn't. Wasn't, wasn't Tony Gwynn number 19? Is that an obvious one? No, he wasn't 19. Was it? I thought he was. Uh, Tony Gwynn. Yeah, maybe it's Tony Gwynn fat. Tony Gwynn fat. Tony Gwynn still fat. <laughs> like, like it took me a while to see the back of his jersey because there were too many photos of him being fat on Google. But yes, apparently Aww. he was 19. My website, I would have expected Gwynn to be higher up then. Um, now he's number five. I scroll past him. I am. Uh, I'm just, okay, we, I'm we spend enough time like, on 19s. Oh, Robin Yao. Robin Yao was the number 19. I said Bernie Kozar. Uh, oh, Keyshawn. Keyshawn Johnson was number 19, right? Throw me the damn ball. Keyshawn Johnson. I know who Keyshawn Johnson is. I, I didn't know that he wore 19. I'm not a big, huge number guy. I think as people can uh, attest to after listening to this for <laughs> six, seven years now. It's going to be that guy six years from now. I saw it on the face page. Where'd you see that guy? It's out there. It's out there. You just got to look it up. It's just not something like even growing up, like it's, it's not something that like I honed in on. Like I know that like, yeah, like Tripper Jones, Tripper Jones wore 10. Like I know like that, but like, oh, this third baseman that was on the Braves for three years. Like, I don't know. I mm-hmm. couldn't tell you what like Vinny Castillo wore. Mm-hmm. And he was there for a while. Yeah. You know what we can tell you? How's this for a segue that the Temple football program got hit? <laughs> now I stumbled because I just looked at your face. Um, Temple took a hit in the transfer portal today. We'll talk about some football for you guys. Uh, we will uh, tease some upcoming recruiting content. And of course, we got a uh, Temple basketball game to talk about. Uh, Temple's on the verge of outright winning the Big Five. Javon Edmonds is joining us, partnering up with Caden Steele on the same Hold laptop. Again, just adorable. Javon, real quick, any famous number 19s to jump out to? You have five seconds to answer. If you can't produce one, we're moving on. Joe Montana with the Chiefs. I already said that. That was me. How <laughs> Neto. That's good. Yeah, How Neto 19 at some point. Wow. Oh, my man, Chris Davis, the Oriole legend. That was Caden. Caden yes. said Kaden, that. Caden said that. Um, Wait, I feel like I'm missing another baseball player. Ah, uh, no, not me. No, 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 not Carl. Never mind. Skip it. Just move on. All right. Well, you you uh came in in the middle of my horrible segue here. 
Uh, I forget what we started with, but I said uh, the Temple, obviously, we'll, we'll start with football here, get into get into some hoops. Uh, again, talk about Temple being on the verge of, of winning its first outright uh, Big Five title in more than 10 years. Got some mailbag questions to get to. But the news it broke today on this Wednesday afternoon uh, is that Darian Varner has entered the NCAA's transfer portal. So Temple had had a few transfer portal announcements, none of which you know, were significant contributors. Dysher Clary, Deshaun Winston before that, you know, Iverson Clement, who hadn't played, Jakari Norwood, who left the team earlier in the season. But uh, this one stinks for the Owls. Obviously, seven and a half sacks this year, first team all-conference player, had three sacks last season and dropped some weight. Uh, was able to move around. Uh, the the news was first reported on MikeFarrellSports.com. We were able to confirm it, and now uh, he has since announced. So, obvious question here, guys. You know, uh, what, what's so funny, Kyle? <laughs> I just like that Mike Farrell has tried to, like, monetize the fact that he has a coach's login to the portal. Yeah. <laughs> like, that is the entire, like, basis of Mike Farrell's, like, social media presence at this point. Is like, I have, an, I have a login mm-hmm. to the portal, and when I yeah. see them, you'll see them. Yeah, yeah, pretty much. Former uh, former rivals kingpin Mike Farrell, but hey, gotta give credit where credit's due. So yeah, I mean, good um, for him. I don't have access to the portal. No, um, but yeah, this one, this one, you know, I, I think we can agree. I'll say this before we get to reactions here. Again, I think we can agree that the climate around the program is a lot better. It's just when you're talking to people on the record, off the record. I think that the majority of the people you would talk to would say the Temple football program is headed in the right direction, understand Drayton and his staff. But again, this goes to show you that, again, they went three and nine. It's not like they were on the verge of going to a bowl game. Losing is losing any way you slice it. But every program in America now is guarding against having its own players poached. And uh, this is the first one that really stings for Temple, uh, a big loss on, on the defensive line. I don't you know, know that there's much more we can say about this, but you know, now you have to keep an eye on on what Leighton Jordan's going to do. Will Leighton Jordan end up in the portal? Will Leighton Jordan declare for the NFL draft? I think if he's end up if he ends up back at Temple next season, this coming season, that's a huge victory for the Owls and a huge retention for them. But they're going to have to, you know, obviously continue to develop and reload on the defensive line. What does this mean for the team? And and again, we're you know without the knowledge of what happens in a spring ball preseason camp. There's a lot of time left ahead, but Simple question, but what does this mean for the team? How big of a loss is this? I think this is a huge loss. You mentioned, you know, the fact that Leighton Jordan could possibly, you know, maybe hit the portal or end the, or end of the NFL draft. But Leighton Jordan, you know, that's kind of expected. He's a fourth-year player, kind of had his, you know, breakout season. But Darian Varner is a guy, from my perspective, I consider one of the, you know, blue-chip players on the roster currently. A young guy, only in his, you know, second year of really having a role. Broke out with seven and a half sacks. Like you mentioned, John, lost 30 pounds this offseason. You know, provided the team a lot of versatility, you know, got a single digit number nine, uh, you know, really took on that leadership role. So I think losing him not only hurts from, you know, a pass rush standpoint, but from a leadership perspective. And who else on this team other than Leighton Jordan and Darian Varner proved from that defensive line or linebacker group that they can really get after the quarterback? I know Jordan McGee got four and a half sacks, but he's not really a guy that you expect to, you know, consistently rush the quarterback. They don't really have any guy in the interior that really creates pressure or the outside besides Varner and Jordan. So if you end up losing Varner and then you end up losing Jordan at some point, who who are you going to go to? So I think they're going to have to find someone, you know, one of these young guys are going to have to step up or they're going to have to hit the portal to replace Darian Varner. Yeah. Or both. Because this is probably the most yeah. likely situation. I mean, I think, honestly, gun to my head, I'd be surprised if Leighton Jordan is in a Temple uniform um, next year, whether that means he declared or, yeah, he went and pursued NIL money. I don't know, but I, I'm not expecting him to be. Uh, I think Trey Thomas has the possibility. I mean, he showed some flashes. He only played four games. He retained his red shirts. I think he he probably has more of an ability to replace Leighton Jordan than he does Darren Barner. But this is one of those situations where once it happens, you go, oh, crap. Like, why didn't I see this coming? Like, Temple mm-hmm. was recruiting, is recruiting defensive linemen out of the transfer portal. Like, they, they had um, an official visitor in from a guy that started 40 games in, at the FBS level in over the weekend, which if you're an Oscar subscriber, you're aware of. Um, like they they've been recruiting defensive linemen in the portal, and it's one of those things at the time. I'm like, okay, so maybe they're just trying to get another body in there to replace Zach Gill and and kind of go with that. And now it's oh crap, no, you're probably recruiting these guys because you have 500 snaps to give out next year. All of a sudden, so mm-hmm. it's a big loss. Uh, I think if you're an optimist, you go, well, they're still kind of dealing with that transition from Carry to Drayton, and Darren Warner was a Rod Carey Walter Stewart guy. 
Walter Stewart looks like he's not going to Wisconsin with Luke Fickle, so I don't know where he goes. Otherwise, I would think that Gary Mar just goes to Wisconsin. But yeah, it's a big loss. There's no way you can like sunshine it. It's uh, you just lost an all conference defensive lineman. Yeah. Those don't grow on trees. Yeah. Now you look at maybe a obviously spring ball is always intriguing to cover preseason camp. Now you're looking at like the the Samar Groves of the world. You know, a, a guy that started to see Alzama Kamara. Yeah. 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 Zamar. What was that, Javon? Darian Lewis on the edge. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. So, yeah. I mean, that's a guy who towards the end of the year, I don't know if it was injury or what, but you started seeing guys like Zamar Grove, Antoine Santiago get in there, and you didn't see Darian Lewis get in there. So yeah. he might be further down that list than, mm-hmm. uh, than yeah. expected. So, uh, yeah, before we get into uh, talking some hoops here, just a, a reminder to if you are not currently subscribed to Al Scoop, uh, you're missing out. We got, we got a lot of news on the site right now. And it's only going to be packed with more content as we get closer to National Signing Day later this month. Uh, we've got um, stories up there about a recent offer to an offensive tackle. Temple hosted a JUCO tight end on an official visit last weekend. And along with a, a transfer defensive lineman last week, we have an update on Richard Dandridge's recruitment. Of course, he's one of the, the current Temple verbal commitments. We've got some updates on what's going on with his recruitment. So, uh Good time to subscribe to the site. We'll have the latest recruiting news uh, for you. It's going to be a busy uh, next couple of weeks leading up to National Signing Day. Um, I guess we could we could uh, hit the football portion of the uh, of the mailbag here before we get into into hoops. Um, two questions, if you have time, from D Blaze seventy five. Was the parting of ways with Preston Brown mutual? Oh, we should have talked about that. Preston Brown. Oh yeah. Temple's running backs coach no longer with the staff. Uh, so there's an opening there, the running back coach position. And then what are the positions the staff will be looking at in the portal to get players that can compete to start right away? Was the parting of ways with Preston Brown mutual? To be honest, we don't have enough confirmation on it to speak emphatically on that. Um, I don't know if there's anything that you guys want to want to add to it. But. Yeah, I mean, I I just feel I feel fairly confident saying I don't know if it was mutual, but I know it wasn't out of left field for Stan Drayton is yeah. what I would yeah. say. Uh, what are the positions the staff will be looking at in the portal to get players that can compete to start right away? Well, I'm just talking about the defensive line. <laughs> there's some uh, some obvious needs there. Uh, I would say, you know, as long as things you know go their way with. You know, with recruiting, you know, you've got, you know, if you're looking at the guys that you're that you're bringing in with this class, um, you know, you have Kyle Williams, you have Jaquez Smith. We'll see how I'm not sure if either one of those guys is an early enrollee, if they'll be here in time for spring ball. If not, they're learning they're learning the offense in August, although running back is traditionally one of those positions where a guy can contribute right away. But I would be surprised if they don't look to, you know, add some some depth there uh in in the backfield uh and then offensive line i don't know there's not a really a position other than maybe i don't know no you need a you need a kicker you need a they don't. why do you need a kicker what's that why do you need a kicker isn't camden price a grad transfer right he's done right no. Um, I talked. I talked to Cam last week. He's still got. Yeah, year. Cam the Price still's another year. Oh, that's year, right. Yeah. That's right. That's right. My fault. My fault. Okay. I think if anything, right now, technically, Rory Bell's still on this roster. I think you're going to free up another scholarship soon, most likely, with that. Because yeah. I mean, Rory Bell lost his job. I think. I think here's what I. If you had a shopping list and you could just go into the portal and you go, here's what I'm going to get. I think you're going to get a defensive lineman. I think you're going to try to get an offensive lineman or two. I think. They, I think as you've seen from the recruiting, I think they need to bring in a tight end. A mm-hmm. lot of that's maybe more for next, like the following year than next year. Like as of right now, uh, David Mar Robinson and Jordan Smith are both back. But like after that, it's a, a drop off to some inexperienced guys. Like James Dell's James Delapesca has played a lot, but like probably doesn't give them that flexibility receiving wise that they want. Um, so defensive end, it wouldn't surprise me if they bring in a safety. I think they still need somebody to start outside of Alex Odom. Mm-hmm. I think they they definitely have. I think I mean look, they could also bring in a wide receiver. Like I don't I don't think anybody expected them to bring in Adonica Sanders in summer last year, and they did. So um right now, so far, they've held on to a lot of guys on offense because a lot of that's probably because of the development of EJ Warner. But I think you, you could always you could always add more weapons to that room. Yeah. Um to add to JHG 722 to follow up and to add to question number two. 
what do you think the portal slash JUCO priority should be? So kind of just refining that question. If there is a top offensive priority. Line. Yeah, I would say offensive line. I mean, you've got guys too that are that are that are banged up as well. I mean, we, we talked all season about how they struggle to stay healthy. You're not going to have Adam Klein. Obviously, Adam Klein is done. Isaac Moore is done. But all these guys, whether they start next year or they're backups, rotational guys, whether they leave, it was a group that struggled to stay healthy. So, yeah, absolutely offensive line I think would be your your top priority. Javon, anything you want to add on this one? No, y'all have done a wonderful job summing things up today. My <laughs> I feel um, like it's like in major league when it's like, Monty, anything to add? No, you covered it. Like, <laughs> like it's it's Bob Euchre next to <laughs> we got one goddamn hit. <laughs> um um 82 Al, last uh football mailbag question here from the football sub uh football board from our alscoop.com subscribers. And on the transfer front more surprises well he actually i don't know if 82 al posted that right around the time uh that he posted it after varner i think he says that because of that. i don't know 82 al i mean it sounds so cliche you never know do i think that the um do i think that the losses in the transfer portal are going to be as bad this year as they were in years past i don't but you never know again like we said at the outset of the show i think the vibe around the program the morale around the program is much better. You know, I, I we haven't talked yet to Darian Varner, but again, what you're always guarding against if you're Temple is, you know, these middlemen, these handlers reaching out on behalf of another program. Hey, if if you knew that program X was interested in you, would you be interested in in entering the portal? You know, that's what you're guarding against. So, are there going to be more surprises? I don't know. I I think there'll be. I think it was surprises the- this year than last year and the year before. Yeah, I think it would depend on what you mean by a surprise. Like, do I think that there's going to be an all-conference level guy that enters the portal outside of maybe if Lane Jordan decides to leave? No, but I think there's going to be some, like, freshmen that were like, oh, yeah, I was was kind of looking forward to seeing him on the field that leaves without ever coming because that always happens. Mm -hmm. There's always some redshirt freshmen that you're like, okay, this is the year they're going to start seeing snaps, and they're just gone, and they go to St. Francis. Yes. Um, Let's talk about this Temple basketball team. So... Again, we've talked about how, you know, we've we've talked at length about the missed opportunities, the previous losses, but uh, now Temple's on a bit of a winning streak. They're six and four overall. They beat St. Joe's last night, 70 to 60, kind of the script they've been following, a little bit of a subpar, subpar first half, get things going in the second half. We know they can play better, but they have clinched a, a share of the Big Five title. They beat Penn on Saturday at the Palestra. They win it outright again, kind of a forgettable first half, still a, a team that's learning how to play with each other. But um, I'll defer to you guys on this. What did you what did you see from last night? What do we what do we know about this team? Another game into the into the process here. And again, you know, since we last recorded, obviously Temple had a, what I think was a fairly impressive win over over VCU. Obviously, don't want to leave that out. And then uh, the 70 to 60 win over St. Joe's last night as we're recording this on Wednesday afternoon. Uh, what are everyone's takeaways from yesterday? I'm looking at the team being on a four-game win streak, and I'm looking at – so I'm doing a class project right now on all the 50 million analytics that the NCAA Tournament Selection Committee uses. So I really learned, like, a little bit more about the net and the RPI and the CBR and the Ken Palm. Um, and I did come to the conclusion, once again, that they all stink. Um, but anyways <laughs> – Really focusing on the net because the committee loves that. Temple had a chance to have a damn good net this year. And it's kind of like, oof, to get back to it needs a little bit of work. Uh, and and then I'm looking ahead to Saturday where I assume Temple will win uh, and go 4-0 and sweep the Big Five and win the City Series championship. And I'm saying to myself, damn, winning the Big Five really doesn't mean as much as it used to. These teams stink. St. Joe's stinks. Penn stinks. Uh, LaSalle stinks. And Villanova, you know, they'll get themselves together. You want to look at, watch out for that COVID virus that's coming next year because you just said something that's been true for four years. 
Like none of those oh, well, programs have been good for a long time. Well, yeah, you're right. I'm just saying, like, it's not like Temple won the Big Five during my tenure at this university. Um, so I'm like, okay, well, you see, the team is obviously capable of playing some pretty good uh, basketball. Uh, you look at Caleb Battle's defense. I think that's the thing throughout this four game streak that I'm the most impressed by the fact that he played 40 minutes, mm-hmm. guarded eight ball when the whole game against VCU. Yeah. Still scored what twenty seven in that game. Twenty seven, yeah. Ace fouled out. I I was thoroughly impressed by Mister Battle during the streak. But once again, like I feel like I'm just going to keep harping on every time Temple does something good. I'm just going to keep saying, where was this during Feast Week? Where was this against Wagner and Vanderbilt? Temple held the lead for almost thirty five minutes last night. I, I can't. Keep reacting these things. Fifteen seconds. Yeah, like I'm just gonna keep saying to myself, where was this in those losses? But I'm glad the team itself has moved on from it uh and has decided not to let that define their season and has decided, you know, clean up on those mistakes. That shows a lot of emotional maturity from both the staff and the players in that locker room. So Kudos to them for that. It, that's hard for a basketball team to do. I'm just saying, me personally, I'm like, damn, you know, that happened in those four games, talking very different about this Temple team. And I agree with Javon. You know, those losses early in the season might come back to haunt them. You mentioned, you know, Caleb Battle's defense on Saturday versus Ace Baldwin played really well. But then last night we saw Zach Hicks, you know, play really good on the defensive side, had that one memorable steal. Can't remember his name. I think Kyle knows it. Casper. Klasik from St. Yeah. Joe's, but yeah. that kept the <laughs> close enough. High Sierra Miller came around, also kind of poked it out, and then Hicks gets the steal and the assist to Caleb Battle, who slammed for an emphatic dunk. But I think, you know, Zach Hicks having a double-double last night and also having 10 points shows you the growth in his game where it's not all about shooting threes. He's starting to put the ball on the floor a little more, which I think is a good part of, you know, the growth of his game. High Sierra Miller – makes a big-time three in that second half as well. I think we're starting to see his offensive game where he's never going to be a guy who gives you 25, 24 points a game, but gets you 14, 15 points. He's missed, he didn't get you that last night, got you 10, but he's a consistent guy, and I think Jaleel White's starting to come around. So those young guys starting to come around, I thought was my key point of the season. I think it took a little while to get it going, but I've been impressed by Zach Hicks, Jaleel White, and Heisier Miller recently. Kyle, we saw an and one layup from Zach Hicks, and we saw a dunk from Zach Hicks last Yeah, night. when I saw the dunk, I, I immediately went back to Sam Cohn texting us uh, a couple of days ago. I mean, like, legitimate question, has, has Zach Hicks ever dunked? <laughs> I'm like, oh, that's a, that's a fair question, because I, really, I don't really remember one. Mm-hmm. Uh, I will say, I think since um, the Edmonds Bush went in with Heisier Miller, I think he's averaging, like, 10 and 6, 10 and 7. He's been playing pretty well since yeah. since Javon went off. Of High Sierra's career shall go to me from this day forward. The, Ed, the Edmonds Mush is a real thing. You're Steve, the inspiration. You know, Steve Pierce would never had a big contract with the Orioles or the Red Sox had it not been for my dad scolding him at Camden Yards in the summer of 2012-13. Uh, he's one of those years. So, you know, it is a very awesome. real thing. Look, I mean, I think, I think if you – I understand, like, obviously that you have to, like – consider seasons in a whole and like to ignore the fact that they lost games against Wagner and Richmond and Vanderbilt to an extent, like, like I understand that you have to keep those in mind, but like, Oh my God, you're going to drive yourself crazy. If you just keep harping back on this 10 day stretch early on in the season, I think they have a legitimate chance, especially if they beat Ole Miss of starting like 14 and four, like there's like a good chance because like the way the schedule starts off that you're like, Oh, like, they might have one of, if not the best, like the top two or three records in the American heading into like that middle part of the American conference. They've won four straight games by 10 games or more, which is the longest such streak by a tumble team, like seven or eight years. Um, they're doing what they have to do against some bad teams. So apparently they're a second half team because they've been pretty dominant in the second half during this stretch. Uh, I think Caleb Battle, ever since he just bottomed out against Vanderbilt and you really started to question his future in the program, has played phenomenal basketball uh, since then. I think it's still a little scary that they haven't been able to figure out how to get him and Dunn going at the same time, Mm -hmm. Um, which if they're going to have any chance of making some noise, obviously that still has to happen. All of this can be forgiven with like if you somehow beat Houston or you beat Memphis twice or you, or rather even if you just beat Memphis on the road, like those opportunities happen. They they still have chances to get some quad one, quad two victories. I'm hesitant to put any value into the net rankings at this point 
Um, considering, yeah, Sam Houston State was number seven. Uh, FAU was above Gonzaga. Like, it's just so weird. Even, it's like, even when you look at, like, um, Ken Palm, or not Ken Palm, like, some of them will just straight say, like, don't look at it. Joe Lenardi was on the broadcast last night and said, like, do not look at net rankings this early. Like, it's a fool, it's a fool's errand. I still would bet that Van, uh, that Villanova does not end with a net of 160 or whatever they are right now. So they mm-hmm. still have the opportunity for some of those wins to grow. Rutgers just beat number 10 Indiana. That win's going to continue to grow. I think they have the chance. I think it's right now, if your Temple is just more, you're not scoreboard watching yet. It's just focus on the things in front of you. Try to get to 20 wins, see what happens. You'll know going into March, do you have to win the conference tournament or do you have a chance? So, let, yeah. let me ask you guys a very basic question. So during this four-game win streak, yeah, I think one of the themes has been like underwhelming first half. They find a way to close it out in the second half. It's a simple question. Like on, on Saturday after the VCU win, Caleb Battle said it's just time. I, Caden, I can't remember if you asked him the question. Javon, you asked him the question, like what's been different? And, you know, and I followed up and asked, asked Jaleel White that question. Is it just nothing's completely this simple? Is it just – is time going to help here? Is time going to help them blend in this team? Is time going to allow this team to kind of like consider some acceptance? Like, Hey, Jamil Reynolds, like some games you might have a double, double. Like if we're going to see that there's a team that we can attack by throwing the ball into the post, we're going to expect you to get 18 and 10 tonight, but maybe three, three days from now, Jamil, we need you to be more of a guy that, that works the offense through the post and they're going to collapse on you. Uh, Damon, I agree with you, Kyle, you know, Damian Dunning and KB, you know, you'd like to see him get into some games where it's not like KB gets 22 points and, and Dame's like eight points on two of nine shooting. But do we think that over time, each player on this team or the majority of the players on this team are going to be accepting of their role and they're going to take off and play more complete basketball? Do, do, do we think they're headed in that right in that right direction or is it way, way too soon to tell? I think they're heading in that right direction, kind of mentioning Zach Hicks last night with the dunk and also getting a steal. And just I think Zach Hicks is a guy I think if he got more reps could be a guy who gets you you know 20 points because I think he's a good enough shooter once he gets into rhythm. But it might not have that role, you know, with Caleb Battle and Damian Dunn on the team. And then a guy like Harrison Miller, and I think is starting to you know be acceptive of his role, being the ball handler, just, you know, getting points when he needs to. I think you have those guys, but I think it's, you know, it's still early and things could change. But I think there's been some signs of progress. Yeah, no, I mean nothing for me. I, I, I before I wrap this up, nothing for me. Let me say something. <laughs> <laughs> Stop, Kyle. Uh, before I wrap this up, I have one question. I'm going to get over three of those four losses. Oh, which one's the worst? Am I wrong for saying like you can get over three of those four? But the missed opportunity of St. John's has to stay. Oh, that's interesting. How good they've been. Oh, that if I'm in that locker room, that one hurts the most. So that's interesting to me that your mind goes and like legitimately interesting that your mind goes to like I'm more upset over the missed opportunity for a win than you are for the potential. Like they probably have like two like terrible like weights around their ankles when it comes to like that Richmond and the Wagner losses. That's interesting to me that you go there. Cause I would say like, Oh, if I could take any back for him, I would say probably like you don't lose to Wagner at home is how I would view it. But interesting. So the, the reason why I say that is because we, we know Wagner and Richmond when March comes, you can see those two win their conference tournament potential. Sure. Yeah. Maybe. Like, like, yeah, Richmond, maybe. Maybe you know what I'm saying. It's, it's so hard this early because you look at some team, you're like, "Well, Wagner's four and five, yeah, but they're playing a bunch of like bye games where like they're going up against like teams that they probably shouldn't win against." But yeah, right. once they get into NEC play, like they can get hot. I can see that. So like that's my thing with those two. Vanderbilt is the one I'm like, all right, you want to get that loss off your resume. But if I'm looking in terms of the win that you want, St. John could have made sure. a lot of stuff go away a lot earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Look, if, I mean, also, it helps then you're not you playing that. Richmond after that. Yeah, you're not playing Richmond the next day, and you're probably a little more amped up to play Syracuse than you are Richmond. Uh, Kyle would have been drunk off of beer, rooting for the death of Jim Beheim. And then, look, <laughs> ouch. Jim Beheim has done more than uh, a fair enough job over the last decade of ruining his reputation on his own. He doesn't need my help. Oh, boy. Um, <laughs> back to John's question about like, do they deserve credit for coming out better in the second half? Like, yeah, I mean, I think like the 
we have to give some credit to the coaching staff for adjustments, right? Like yeah. even just from like a season perspective, like four or five games ago, it was this team can't handle the pressure, like, like, like pressure on the court. Like that's what you do. You just full court pressure temple and teams did that against them for three straight games mm-hmm. and they got better at it because they got exposed to it. And then you didn't see St. Joe's do it until late in the second half last night because Temple is able to pass out of it now. You see last night, the first half, they're just trying to shoot threes. I mean, they attempted 16 threes in the first half. They attempt nine in the second half. Like they're making adjustments at halftime and figuring things out. So I think there is some, like you have to give the, it's not just so much as like, as KB saying, like, well, we got time. Like we got to figure out how to play with each other. A lot of it's just, they're making changes in the game plan, which mm-hmm. is working. Handled the pressure against VCU better than they did against St. John's too. Yeah, yeah, but they got better. Which I mean, in fairness, like granted, like VCU came in average like eighteen turnovers a game. But, like it's not like shock. It's better. not shock as smart like habit. Right. But like still, right. like they they handled that a lot better. And yeah. their turnovers are down to like a much. You can you can win a lot of basketball games with ten toner, turnovers. You cannot win a lot of basketball games with like twenty two or whatever they had against mm-hmm. Rutgers. Seventeen and eighteen and, yeah. and that type of number. I, I do think the first half against St. Joe's, I don't think shot selection was a problem. Kaden, you stop me if you feel like I'm wrong. I feel like shots just weren't falling sure. in the first half against St. Joe's. It's a big five, baby. Those big five games, like I know it's like the cliche, like old 85-year-old guy on like on his uh like lounger talking about it, but it's true. Like there's just weird games. It's really like I'm honestly like I'm by no means an old timer, despite what Caden and Javon might think, but like <laughs> I've seen enough weird big five games to be like, look, all you all, only thing that matters in this is the win. Like, can you get a win out of it? It doesn't matter if it's by one point or if it's like St. Joe's three years ago when they beat them by 40. Like, it's just just get the win and move on. I just imagined you as an 85 year old man on a lounger. If you think I'm here at 85, you're out of your mind. <laughs> out of your mind. I've been burning the candle at both ends for 33 years. I'm not making it to 85. 75? Maybe. <laughs> we'll see rock and roll I, I'll, maybe i'll be a i was gonna say centurion what's the thing when you live to be 100 years old uh a centaur no, a creature yeah centaur yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, i think the 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 one thing i took away from the post game though last night i've been saying to you guys i have saint joe circled on my calendar Although that roster has a lot of like turnover from last year, like I was on the court at Hagen last season playing, and I remember, I remember the trash talk fondly, and that may or may not be a shot at Temple for not having us on the court this year, but whatever. Um, they were talking a lot of crap. The St. Joe, well, St. Joe's talking a lot of crap. The Temple last season, especially that man Jordan Hall, who me personally, I wouldn't have taken him in the NBA draft, but. Hey, I'm not going to question Greg Popovich and his staff. Was he in the um, UFA? He got two way, right? Oh, or was he? He was I, the second round pick. I think he was undrafted two. Or he's an undrafted. Yeah, he was. He was undrafted guy that was just made for the league. Two-way. Either way, yeah. I didn't think Greg Popovich would like a player like Jordan Hall, but you know what? Weirder <laughs> things have happened. Um, and he had his cool little like big twenties, probably eight assists, but seven turnovers in that game. And apparently, I wasn't the only one who remembered it. Caleb Battle. Ooh, that was the first game that he missed with that injury last season. He's in that press conference. He's like, hey, man, I remember how they were talking to my guys last year. We kept that in mind. Um, and I was, tell- I was talking to him, like, the guys who were really starting it aren't even here anymore. He's like, no, 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 no. They still got some guys on that team from last year. We, we remember. And here's the audio from that. Yeah, they were talking crazy last year. We went to their place. I was going to ask you about that. You missed that. Yeah, game. that kind of that kind of that kind of got me a little. You know, I, I didn't like that because you know, I, I like people who are the same people every single day, and I felt like they kind of do some low jabs last year, especially when I was on the bench with a broken foot. Um, but we got a new team. You know, we kept that in the back of our mind that we definitely wanted to um, take care of every team in the Big Five. But, you know, job's not finished yet, so we definitely want to take care of that. But um, yeah, we didn't like how they was talking crazy last year. They was really excited about one win. The funny thing from that, though, was after KB and Fave left the uh, the presser, McKee comes in, and I ask him, like, you know, do you think last year had anything to do with the way the guys came out? And he's like, no, not really. We're, yeah. We've just been worried about us. I'm like, who, Aaron, you clearly don't know your guys. Yeah, well. what's he, what's he going to say? <laughs> like, what's he going to say? Like, oh, yeah, Jordan Hall talks shit. 
to his lifelong friend Jaleel White, and now we're pissed off about it a year later. Like he's just. Well, it wasn't just tall. SKB I, was saying. I think. Was a lot more. I think as a college coach, a lot of times you have to like give a sanitized answer. Like if you're just if Aaron McKee was just going to say everything that was on top of his head, then he would get headlines for like the wrong reasons. Mm-hmm. So I think the way that Aaron is as like a person and a coach is just like. Don't give them anything to get pissed off. About. Guess what? He's got to play probably not Billy Lang's team, but he's got to play a St. Joe's team next year. Why give them more reason to get pissed off? Yeah. Well, we got a few mailbag questions here to close out this week's show. A few, uh, one, two, three basketball mailbag questions from our subscribers on the basketball board. First one comes from Park Al. Question here is we're now one third of the way through the season. From what you've seen, what trajectory is the team on? And assuming your answer isn't tournament team, what do we need to do to get there? Kyle, I'll go to you first, then Javon, then Caden. And if there's anything left for me to say, I will say it. <laughs> uh, I will say I think they are on the right trajectory in the sense that they are winning games right now and that they have a relatively cushy schedule for the for, for the next month and a half. There is a month stretch in January where I think it starts with Memphis and they play Houston twice, and I think it ends with Memphis again, that that's going to dictate their entire season. If you can find a way to go five and three, or maybe even like four and four during that stretch, then you're like, okay, they got a shot here. I think right now it's just rack up wins, try to get to 14 and four, 13 and five, something like that. Avoid a dud, like losing the pen or losing these Carolina or something like that and see where you're at. I think that they still have enough talent to make the tournament. Um, I, I dropped a quarter on the ground. Uh, I would say if I'm a betting man, I would say they don't make the tournament right now, but they, they still could. I'm just not going to sit here on December 7th and tell you I know how this season ends one way or the other. Because I think they still have a chance of being in that large team. It's just they have to. They, they've gotten rid of any opportunity for a wiggle room. Kyle, you, you, you're knocking off the bark. I, I feel like on the right trajectory, yes, it's about them staying on the right trajectory. That's all I can add to that. They got to yeah. stay healthy. Too like knock on wood, like they've been like everything like Jaleel White, who actually looked like he got injured again against St. Joe's, but then stayed in and he's been playing better the last two two games. Knock on wood, like this team, I don't know if they can uh I don't know if like last year, like if KB somehow went down, I don't know if they rallied like they did last year. So and I'm kind of on board, you know, with Kyle, where I think you know this slate coming up, they could really take advantage and end up with you know 14 wins. But like you said, Kyle, I think the season comes down to Houston and Memphis, and you got to pull out some of those games somehow, especially if they can be away. You know, it helps even more. If they beat Houston, we're talking about like tournament seeding. We're like, oh, can they play themselves into like a nine, ten seed? Like, mm-hmm. like yeah. that's going to be the type of thing where there will be no other at-large teams that have that on their resume. And they beat Houston. They definitely figure things out as a team. They're probably probably playing a lot better than they are currently. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. Although Houston almost lost to a who they almost lose to. They almost lost to a bad team like a couple of weeks ago. So it could happen. College basketball. I think they're on the right trajectory. I'm with you, Kyle. I don't. I'm. How could we be ready to say tournament team just yet? I know it sounds trite and cliche, like I said before. But if these guys can, if each of these guys can accept their role, if you can, if you can find a way to consistently get both Caleb Battle and Damian Dunn in that double figure scoring range. We know that they're both capable of it. If you can continue to show Nick Jordan, Hey, this is what successful basketball looks like for you. If you can be our small ball five, if we're going to, if, if you can block shots, if you can affect things in the paint, if, if you can, again, get Jamil Reynolds to understand, Hey, some games we're going to need you to get, go for 12 and 10, 18 and 12, but some games you're, you're not going to be as prominent on the stat sheet. If, if Jaleel White is con- is continuing to be comfortable coming off the bench, then sure, why not? Um, obviously, a, a a win, a split with Houston certainly changes this conversation, or a split with Memphis helps them. But right trajectory, don't know that I'm ready to say tournament team, what they need, need to do to get there, buy into the roles. Um, Green Street, Al, the next question here, assuming Temple beats Penn and finds a way to beat Ole Miss, when's the next time Temple loses and what would it mean for our tournament chances for Temple's tournament chances. So they beat Penn and beat Ole Miss. So just to for listeners who may not be looking right at the schedule, then after that, it's Maryland Eastern Shore on December 20th. It's ECU on December 28th. And then you get into yeah. conference play against Cincy on January 1st. You're kind of off and running from there. When I think Cincy's a paper, paper giant at this point. I don't think they're nearly as good as they have been, you know, three, four years ago. And Temple's, I mean, let's not – let me start with the fact that Temple swept Cincy last year. 
Mm-hmm. Like Temple was, was a better program than Cincinnati last year. I was expecting more out of Cincinnati last year too. Like I knew it was the first year, and maybe like I had a little too much West Miller fandom going on. But yeah, I did not expect the Bearcats to be a team that got swept by Temple last year, and and I don't think Temple, uh, you know, wanted the Bearcats to be as underwhelming as they were last year because that didn't really, you know, help. Right. Them. Yeah, yeah those those are two story this season. Is that Liam peering in over the glass at you guys? Yes, yes it is. Yes, it is. And, and Johnny is to the left of us. <laughs> Tell them we I, I will say I think Cincy is more is closer to the Cincy team that lost to Ohio State by 30 than they are to the team that almost beat Louisville and almost beat Arizona. Mm-hmm. Or, I'm sorry, that did beat Louisville and almost beat Arizona. Like I think they're they're closer to those teams. Back to the original question. I think first of all, I think the assumption that they beat Ole Miss is a big one. If they mm-hmm. do go down to uh to Mississippi and beat Ole Miss, then like I, I like I, like we've said a couple times on this show, I think they start 14 and 4 then. I think that mm-hmm. first loss would be Probably that's at Memphis. No, they actually have Memphis at home. Memphis at, that at home on January fifteenth, and it's you at home. Then it's then it's at Houston January twenty second. I think they beat Memphis at home. Eight, nine, ten, eleven, it. twelve, thirteen. I could see it. If they beat, I'll say right now, if they beat Mississippi, they start sixteen and four. They're at Houston sixteen and four, and they get humbled to sixteen and five, and then they give up sixty five rebounds. And, well, and that's the end of that. Here's my thing with Ole Miss, because going coming into the season, like I'm just not big on the Rebels. And then looking at how their season has played out, I know they're six and two. Their six wins are West Georgia, all right, an exhibition, whatever. Alcorn State, <laughs> Florida Atlantic, Chatt- Chattanooga, UT Martin, Stanford is decent, I guess, and Siena. They're the only two times they have actually played somebody. Their last two games, OU and Memphis, lost to OU by four, and lost to Memphis by eleven. Like I'm still not, I'm still not smelling the salts on Ole Miss. You know, let's see what they do against Valpo and UCF before they play Temple. Uh, but you are going after their exhibition games and free admission for the Rebel Kids Club. Like I don't know, I, I'm not, <laughs> I'm not sold on the Rebels yet. Like I don't think it's a that's a game that's shaking your boots if you're a Temple fan. No, yeah, and, like, for sure. But, like, I think it's just the taking – honestly, this sounds weird, but, like, it's even just, like, kind of taking the team aspect out of it. Like, regardless of who they're playing, it's still a weird game in December. Like, you're going to old Miss in December. Just, like, a random one-off to go play an SEC team down at their place is a weird mm-hmm. game. So, like, with that in mind, like, I just – if this game was on a neutral court, if they were playing at the Charleston Classic and they were playing old Miss, then I'd feel a lot more confident – but the fact that they're going to Old Miss and playing a Kermit Davis team is like, yeah, you could lose that. You're probably they'll probably be two and a half point dogs. Like they'll probably be underdogs in that game. Yeah. Uh, next question here. For, uh, last one to close things out. So the Hick once again has has graced us with uh, four different questions this week. I will say, you are like the not the Hick. You, John DiCarlo, are like if you're not going to enforce your deadlines, then why do we have a deadline? This this these questions came oh, in. Oh, came in. It came in after deadline. All right. like the night that- Siri had opinions about that. Well, <laughs> Siri is doing the Siri from uh, somewhere near Ambler has uh, joined the the podcast. Oh, you're doxing me now. People know I where I live. Somewhere near Ambler, I said somewhere that could be a lot of different places. We don't doxing. know. People are going uh, the the mobs are going to show up with pitchforks. I should have said Springfield, and nope. I should have I could have said is it Springfield Mako's, Springfield Delco? We'll never know. But well, now they do know. Now people can narrow down the search. John, you're not helping Kyle's situation. You know now what? Kyle, you know what Kyle would say to himself here. Who do you think you are? I have more enemies than you have. <laughs> Let's just say that. Anytime, anytime you'd say something that could be slightly complimentary, Kyle would be like, "Who do you think you are?" Complimentary. No, like if you'd say like if if any of us were telling a story and we like allow ourselves to get complimentary of ourselves, be like, who do you think you are? That's not true. I try to build everybody up. Rising tides raise all ships. I'm I'm putting money in Javon's pocket today. I'm trying to help everybody out. Yeah, you're out here. You're out here painting me like I'm like I'm the Grinch trying to steal Christmas from Whoville. But Christmas comes regardless. I could see you as the Grinch. <laughs> we didn't get Jim Carrey back. We got this kid, uh, Kyle Gauss. Jordan well, and I read a book every Kyle night is, called... Go ahead. When we see Kyle as the Grinch, or what we see him as Ebenezer Scrooge. Ooh. 
Oh, Ebenezer Scrooge implies that at one point my heart was was pure and just that like I've been beaten <laughs> down by lost love and cold winters and stuff like that. That's a good question. I think if anything, um, yeah, maybe Ebenezer Scrooge. I'm honestly not the biggest <laughs> Christmas guy. My my wife makes fun of me for it all the time. She's like, you never really seem to get in the holiday spirit. I'm like, yeah, here's what it is. Mm. Seasons. I feel seasons like seasons come, seasons go. I think as the kids get older, your heart will warm on the holidays a little more. I will. That's probably true. Uh, having children does impact a lot of that that aspect. It's more of like you're trying to just do it for them. Yeah. But it's like the Simpsons thing where he goes into the he goes back to his job and he has the the image above his desk that says "Do it for her, for Maggie." That's all you're trying to do, John. Survive in advance. Mm-hmm. All right. Well, we'll choose this question from the Hick. His first one: How can you get Jamil Reynolds more involved in the offense? So we were. We were talking about this a little bit earlier. Getting Jamil Reynolds more involved in the offense, is it more a situation for you guys if you want to like kind of chew on this? Is it more getting him more involved in the offense at the right time, or do you feel like they have not done a good job of getting him involved in the offense? Has it been that, or has it been more just dictated by matchups? John, yeah, that's the quick answer. It's been matchups. It's just going to depend on who Temple plays. There, there's nothing else that goes into it. Yeah, I don't think that's anything larger than you know what Javon said. I think you know Nick Jardine gives him something a little bit different at times, where he you know, can play smaller ball, he can handle the ball a little bit more, and and he could probably run the court a little bit better than Jamil can currently. Yeah, he can switch one through five. Jamil can't. It's just a matchup thing. That's it. It's it's interesting. Last night, uh, when you had you know Nick Jardine, who to his credit has played pretty good ball lately, and Jaleel White out there. I mean, you had multiple guys that could that could kind of rotate one to five against them. St. Joe's played four guards and a European big. That's not going to be a Jamil Reynolds matchup. No. Yeah. Well, good stuff, guys. They'll do it for this week. We'll have more. Again, as I said, the outside of the pod. Uh, stay tuned to the site. A lot of you know football developments, recruiting news and developments coming up. Stay tuned to the site for latest football recruiting news. We'll have uh potentially a big five championship to talk about for Temple by by this point next week. We shall see. So uh well they have one regardless, right? Yeah, there are no there are no tiebreakers in the big five, baby. Yeah. <laughs> Which yeah. is dumb. Yeah. Let's talk about that. How do you save the big five? That's the that's the article of the day. Multiple articles out of that today. Mike Jensen had it. Dana O'Neill had it. People are wondering how do you save the big five? As, the big two five student, as two students, I'm curious what the current students think about the big five. How do you save the big five? Listen, listen, Kyle, there's no saving it because for the 15th millionth time, we have a terrible generation of people. Fans, like just just we have a terrible generation of people that me and Caden have to go through this sad thing you call life with, you know, are you wearing air? Are you wearing air monarchs today? No. Um, Caden, would you agree with that? Would you agree that you are part of a, a terrible generation? (laughs) I think, you know, partly maybe my generation, you know, lies more on, you know, watching it in their dorm and their television, but for the big five, you have to have good teams for, you know, people want to come out the big five. What results have they produced recently other than Villanova being dominant? That makes you want to go to those games. Like, yeah, I hear that. But also, like, we got a generation that doesn't value history, you know, just keeps their face and berries in their phones, you know. I mean, I watch our two interns, Johnny and Liam, don't even know to stand up to shake somebody's hand, you know. They sit down and shake hands. <clears throat> We've got a bad whoa, taste whoa, in music, you know. I whoa, mean, whoa. it's just a lot that's wrong. He's standing up now. <laughs> you know, now he's standing up. Looking, I also like that you consider them one of your interns. It's a, it's a great thing. <laughs> they report to, they report to Javon and then up to Kyle and I and they have oh. now but they have now shown themselves on on the zoom camera here John John real quick gun to your head if I just like all of a sudden like said you know what like just give me the first answer that goes yeah don't think about this if I said you know what I want to fire an intern what would you say do I have the ability to fire an intern you do <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. <laughs> time for the talent show boys <laughs> Johnny and Liam now Johnny and Liam, you can either uh, perform a five-minute comedy set where you have to make Kyle laugh, <laughs> or you uh, sing a honestly, carol like an angel. Honestly, or you just let me hear myself speak, and that'll probably get you pretty far. Um, I do, find, <laughs> I do find it funny that in fifty some years, the Who went from singing about like how their generation was disrespected and people don't take them seriously to Javon has just written off his entire generation. <laughs> I've lost all feet. I, I listen. I watch my little brother, you know, just be him with his friends, and I just lose all hope, you know. 
all faith is gone. Even at the big five schools for basketball, their fans are going out. So young fans, is it a generation or is it a big five thing itself? You, you know what? The thing is, though, I'll scale back a little bit in this aspect. The players still care about the big five. Like each of Temple's big five games so far, it's been chippy. It's been some trash talk going on. These guys care. And it's crazy for Temple because I think out of all the teams in the big five, Temple has the fewest amount of Philly guys. And these guys mm -hmm. care about it. And so, I don't know. It's something with the fans, something with neither school does a good job of promoting it anymore because they care so much about the money that they're not getting from it, even though there's more things that go into running some athletic programs than money. But, uh, you know, I'm not saying money isn't the biggest thing, but it's the biggest thing. <laughs> morale and history and emotion counts for something, too. Uh, I'll say this real quick, just to bring it back to Kyle had said a couple of stories about it today. If you have a subscription to The Athletic, which I do think is uh, is worth it. Nobody's putting me up to that. Uh, also, real quick, if you have a subscription to The Athletic, just call and threaten to cancel. They'll let you stay on for six cents. They don't care. Whatever <laughs> says the New York Times about The Athletic, you can do whatever the hell you want. <laughs> um, Dana O'Neill is uh, is saying that representatives from, from Nova Temple, Penn, LaSalle, and St. Joe's have been meeting to figure out what the future of the Big Five is. So um, th they're what aware of it. Consider, considering a couple of different solutions. So uh, worth worth reading about. We'll see. I, I say. Well, I'm not going to make them read about it, so I'll just spoil it. It's looking like a tournament, and it's <laughs> looking like Drexel's being added to the Big Five without changing the name because, and I quote, the Atlantic 10 has more than 10 teams, the Big 12 isn't 12 teams, and the Big 10 is up to like 14 right now. So City Soon to be 16. Are. Yeah, soon to be yeah. 16. Yeah. That's boring. The correct answer, have them all play at the same time. One big court, two hoops, five teams. <laughs> what, is it, what is going on on one court? They're all playing on the same court, John. It's 1v1v1v1v1. <laughs> one ball, 25 players. In a word, chaos. Chaos. <laughs> maybe, maybe there's pyrotechnics involved. Like, you don't know. You have to sell to a generation that's just trying to play Call of Duty and watch TikTok. So, you know what? Give it to them. One of those every, every, there's a gulag involved. After a team gets eliminated, they go to the gulag. You find your way back. <laughs> Just, uh, an old school four-way tag team wrestling match. Who right? says no? Who says no if we, if we propose that? What team is going to – what university is going to have the stones to say, no, Kyle, we don't want this million-dollar idea. We're going to be the team that – we're going to be Nova in the 80s. We're going to be the team that takes our ball and goes home. We're not going to participate in this battle royale. None of them. That's who. Take out the gulag, and I'm with you. <laughs> does Javon does not believe in redemption? <laughs> it's Take out the gulag, and I'm with. You. I've just seen how shy that thing can get on Call of Duty. Kill the jailer, man. You can figure it out. <laughs> we'll talk John, to you next week. Hey, I'm sorry. All right, guys. That was uh, what a lovely way to end the scoop. Good stuff. Thanks for sticking with us for another episode. We'll talk to you next week. <laughs> <laughs>